Welcome to the Manor. And welcome back to the Twin Terrors Macabre Manor of Mead, Metal, and Mayhem. I'm James. And I'm not James. Thank baby Loki for that. <laughs> you know, we don't rehearse this. We're just used to the other one being a smartass, so we always are ready for it to happen. <laughs> my wife were walking by, she'd probably thank Loki even more. <laughs> or be like, really? Awesome. <laughs> or roll her eyes because she's probably imagining what we're saying. <laughs> or at least imagining my end of the conversation that she can't hear. I'm not even sure we get that. I'm going to keep moving. If I ignore them, they can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, getting back and uh, to the third of the trilogy, because unlike the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, we will start our trilogy at three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to jump back a little bit. Uh, jump back, kiss myself. <laughs> <laughs> What's Jimmy talking about? Uh, so <laughs> no, we keep playing. We're getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to jump back <laughs> a couple of months because, as mentioned. Before, in the last episode, I, I threw in a little bit about when the album was released, but didn't want to kill the flow of the touring bit. Yeah. Uh, the album was released, and we're talking about Led Zeppelin 1 still. Yes. Uh, January 12th, 1969 in the U.S., which is three days after Jimmy's 25th birthday and just nine days after John Paul Jones' 23rd. Yeah. And uh, Robert and John Bonham were still both 20 this time. They turned 21 later in the year, just, just to keep everybody up to date in case you want to send out a birthday card. Uh, Sony released January 12th, uh, March 31st in the UK. Uh, what did critics think of this album? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's, let's just say this is part of the reason I don't like Rolling Stone magazine. In <laughs> part, but yeah, man, saying they didn't care for it would be an understatement. Yeah. Oh, but now they can't help fall, falling all over themselves to praise it. Oh, well, yes. Oh, Duchess, gracious my, we love it now. <laughs> Yeah, at the yeah. time, they compared it to Beck's Truth uh, in, in a very negative way. They bashed it compared to Beck's Truth, and they yeah. said their shows were violent and insane. <laughs> the audiences may have been violent and insane. <laughs> well, the shows could have been, but it was still good musically. <laughs> yeah. Critics hated it, but the fans kept showing up for shows. The FM radio stations kept playing their album constantly. <laughs> yep. Of course, some critics would say it's mass taste versus defined elitist taste. <laughs> I but, got your elitist taste. Yeah, right here. You got. You might have to work for it, but it'll get there eventually. Uh, the U.S. critics weren't great. The U.K. was well, critics were horrible, and probably wor the worst part was accused them of selling out. How do you sell out when you hadn't really been around before? I I don't know. And, and how are you pandering? Oh, wait, no, take? no. I know. I know they were selling out every, every concert. concert. <laughs> Thank you, Metallica, for that line. <laughs> we nice. sell out every night. <laughs> every place we play. <laughs> well, there are some bright spots. For example, Chris Welch of Melody Maker. He got his hands on an advanced copy uh, through a, a colleague and said, I'd never heard anything so loud and overpowering coming off the record before. It really nice. felt like a great, great leap forward. If somebody Melody Maker saying that, that that actually means something, because Melody Maker, from what I've understood, usually tend to tended to be right. <laughs> I mean, we've we've got a bit more, or you know, at least I do, which will have Jody come in about the album and, and some of this later. But I thought for now we could actually cover the songs, uh, some of which would be musical type of things, 
yeah. uh, where the inspiration came from, whether it was inspired or stolen, <laughs> and, and, and maybe some of her own thoughts. And I thought I would go in order of the release. Uh, the, not the release, the, the order that they came on the album. I, I should have pulled out my vinyl copy. You should have, but it's too late now. We're moving on. The first song was Good, good times, times, Bad, bad Times. times. That's close enough. <laughs> yeah, good enough. <laughs> you know we've had our share. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'll give a couple quotes. Then, then I'll tell you what I like, or you can tell me, or whatever. But uh, during their second tour, Ronnie Varell, who's a noted English session drummer, who's in Tom Jones' touring band, it, he saw them and told Jimmy how amazed he was with Bonham. He goes, that bass drum pattern your drummer does on good times, bad times? Wow. <laughs> it's, it's pretty remarkable. It is, um, and I'll come back to that in a second, but I, I want to point out Jimmy gives John Paul Jones credit for coming up with the riff. So Jimmy does give credit when it's due. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, one of the things I love actually is uh-huh. the, the drum intro that I, I, I can't even give it proper. I'm not going to any more than I just screwed up. You should just, play a sample. I, I've got samples of other songs. Everybody knows what the drum intro to this is. Okay. <laughs> If you don't, I already dropped a bunch of money on the MP3s to get the samples. Y'all fucking go out and listen to it yourself, you <laughs> bastards. So anyway, so I love that drum intro, and I do love in this song, everybody has a bit of something. I mean, Jimmy's work, Bottom's work. You hear Jonesy's bass thing, like, all by itself in there. Robert oh, yeah. Wailing. I, the, the very first song, they make sure they put something on there that catches your attention right away. Mm-hmm. Unique drum intro with the guitar. And but everybody's included in a, a spotlight type of thing. I'm not entirely sure about this, but I I think the only time this song has been played live in its entirety was when they opened with it at the O2 Arena for the um, Erdogan thing. Now, if if you if you insist and you want to send me the MP3 of the song, I will put in a snippet. Um. Okay. <laughs> So at this point, you'll either all hear snippet or you'll know that Jody forgot to send it to me. <laughs> so second song, or, or if, if you're ready. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Second song, Babe, I'm going to leave you. Yes. Now, um, I've already mentioned that I've heard Robert Plant and Jimmy Page play this live. So. Yeah, but I, I love the song. It's folkish. Yes. That traditional music was previously recorded by Joan Baez. Yep. Written by who wrote it? Because Jimmy, uh, Jimmy said that he thought that it was traditional, and that's the way it was originally credited on the album. Traditional arranged by Jimmy Page, if I remember correctly. But uh, it but actually I, was I not. I do know that he based his version off of uh, Anne Braden's version. Okay. Yeah, that's who I was thinking was supposed to be getting songwriting credit. Yeah, and I think she does later. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I think eventually they, they started, on later pressings of the album, they started putting her name on it. And and we've talked about how Jimmy and Robert have a, like, Robert wasn't sure where he fit. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy points to this song way, way back at the first album as uh, his and Robert's collaborating. They had a great empathy with each other. Yeah, I, I mean, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I like about it is it's acoustic. It's got a lot of acoustic in it, but with really heavy tones. So even though it's got some wonderful acoustic styling, it does get really rough and, and tough in there with its, its drumming and everything. And during the course, I think Jimmy comes in with electric guitar, but yeah, it's, it's largely an acoustic song. 
And and I will say one of the things I dig about that, and mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons I think Zeppelin's one of my like Zeppelin is my favorite. But this is one of the reasons why. So in metal, uh, we talked about power chords before and how you can yeah. get muddy and everything if you play too many notes on them. Uh, but in metal songs, you can get a really good idea of the feel and emotions because of the lead guitar and how they play the keys. Because those notes will, you know, if it's a major key or a minor key or whatever it may be. Yeah. But when you use the acoustic, you, you get it through the chords too, because you can actually play the whole chord. Right. And you'll get that emotional tone that you want also. Next song, You Shook Me. Um, so You Shook Me, uh, Backwards Echo comes from Tin Little Indians. When Paige tried to salvage it by turning the tape over and creating the back, it created the backwards echo that you'll also hear and You Shook Me. And, and we talked about Glenn Johns in the first of these three episodes. Yeah, he, he didn't think it could be done. And he was quite upset when a musician knew something he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then went on to use it on the Stones album that he did next after this. Yeah. And, and this one, so originally by Willie Dixon, this is the song uh, Jody and I kind of mentioned, uh, whether it's still in there or not after we, we edit. <laughs> but uh, this song did cause a fair bit of hard feelings between Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page because it was on Jeff's Truth album. Yes. And, and Jimmy and, knew that. Yeah. The Jeff Beck group uh, with Jeff Beck, Rob Stewart, and uh, Ronnie Wood on bass, they did a, a pretty good, I mean, it's, it's a really good version of the song. I can understand why Jeff was mad. I don't think Jeff was mad so much that Jimmy and Led Zeppelin did it. I think Jeff was mad that Jimmy did a much better version. <laughs> I guess it depends on what kind of music you like, but yeah, yeah. I gotta say Zeppelin has way more depth. And strangely enough, one of my least favorite songs, Zeppelin ever did. <laughs> really? Yes. Ah, see, it's one of my favorite on this album because I I love that heavy blues that which I try to imitate in my teens and twenties. <laughs> well, I, and and I'm not saying it's bad. I just to me, it just got a little repetitive. Oh, and, I could see I, why. And, and mostly the lyrics. <laughs> so it's mostly Robert that I think kind of, you know, but me saying that's one of my least favorite Zeppelin songs, that ain't. That, <laughs> puts that's, it high up. <laughs> that still puts it high up compared to a lot of other music. <laughs> yeah, great organ, great harmonica. Yeah. Thinking of making a joke about organs and mouth harps and thought, nah, never mind. <laughs> Oh, I just did. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> However, though, this particular song, I actually have snippets from all three. So, oh. so uh, here's a snippet from Willie Dixon's version. Shook me, baby. You shook me all night long. You know you shook me, baby. You shook me all night long. Oh, you kept on. Shaking me, darling. Oh, you messed up my happy home. And here is Beck's version. You know you. 
And here's a bit of Zeps. Yeah. trio of you, you shook me <laughs> is there anything else you wanted on that one nope all righty then that should cover it should and probably wouldn't because we could go into 15 minutes on each song but no, <laughs> nobody wants that <laughs> uh, no. next up uh, last song on side one if you're going by the actual albums which bands back in the day would try to put songs on in a specific order so side one and side two would start with something specific <laughs> yep. oh and you got to have a great closing song too so uh, yeah yeah you got stuff yes and this one does but we'll get to that later right now we're going to talk about dazed and confused dazed and confused also used by the yardbirds yes uh different lyrics i i have heard the yardbird 68 live album uh won't go into that a whole lot now uh but just that that song they did record a live version of it on that album for the most part, I mean, it's obvious it's the same song, but there are some, what I consider pretty big differences outside of the lyrics. Oh, so, the lyrics, what, change from a drug trip to uh, women being evil sex demon mm, beast? <laughs> I would, actually, I'd have to listen to it again because I don't remember exactly what the lyrics were that Keith Ralph was singing, but... I, well, I know the, going from Jake Holmes, we'll yeah. get to in a second, it changed from a drug trip. I don't actually know where Yardbirds is at in there. I don't know if I've heard, I don't think I've heard the Yardbirds version. The lyrics are different, but kind of closer to what Zeppelin's lyrics describe. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. I, I, if I remember right, the Yardbirds was more about a relationship than a drug trip. So as we talked about, Jimmy pulled some of his Yardbird stuff out of the Yardbirds bag. He uses a bit of a run from Think About It. Yeah. In here. So um, actually the second guitar solo. Yeah. 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 That, that, the guitar, the second guitar solo, um, comes straight out of, well, he re-recorded it, but it was, <laughs> it was, yeah. it was practically note for note, the guitar solo he had recorded in the Yardbird song. Think about it. Um, Did you know if you have something good. <laughs> yeah. And considering how poorly you think about it sold, uh, I don't think anybody really caught it at first. <laughs> the violin bow, obviously, which he started doing in the Yardbirds. Did that, have you heard his story of where he actually got the idea from? I have, but uh, go ahead. Okay, I will do so. Yeah. <laughs> so um, some people kind of harsh on him because of, you know, he, he Jimmy didn't invent that. I've never heard Jimmy say he invented it. No. Ever. In fact, he, he gives his credit to uh, David McCollum Sr., who was a, a very famous music, musician. 
uh, and, and father of the man from Uncle Star, you know, David McCollum Jr., during a 1965 session. They're just sitting around, and he talked about how you could do it on that E string, you know, and, and Jimmy tried it. Uh, he played around. He used it on Yardbird's Little Games. Yeah. But, yeah, Jimmy gives credit to where he got the idea from. He doesn't go around talking about how he invented the damn thing. No. Okay. Well, you mentioned Jake Holmes, so I'm assuming you've got some stuff to mention on Jake Holmes, and I, that's kind of where I was wanting to go, so I'll wait until you do that. Oh, well, yeah, it just uh, credited to Jimmy on the first album initially. Yes. Um, it's definitely a song written by uh, a gentleman by the name of, of Jake Holmes. Yes, uh, and I, I've listened to his, and it is pretty much just acoustic guitar. Pretty good. So there, there is some proof that Jimmy – uh, heard the song. Um, oh, yeah. Or were you going to talk about that too after the lawsuit part? Okay. Um, the, the story as I remember it is when the Yardbirds were on their final tour, which is where they recorded this Yardbird 68 album. What, then they saw him perform and they heard the song and then they went out and bought his album. Yeah, they, they heard him perform. And then the next day, according to Jim McCarty, uh, Jim McCarty says that both he and Jimmy went out the next day and bought the above ground sound after hearing Jake play the song. Yeah. And that's, that's how the Yardbirds worked up their version of it. And at first, I, I know Jake Holmes didn't, uh, in fact, the quote is, didn't give a shit, partially because he was kind of moving past that and he's doing some other artistic things. Yeah. And I do know he had some issues finding somebody to help him legally pursue it later on. And Okay, and that, that's what I wanted to come to. Or, or as I remember, the quote was he was asked about it and he kind of thought about it and he went, eh, let him have it. Yeah, I've seen that quote too. If you say that, I'm sorry. I don't think you have any grounds to come back and sue him later. You have publicly said, let him have it. You've given up your rights to come back and sue him over it. That's my feelings on it. Now, obviously, I'm wrong because when he did sue, Jake Holmes now gets credit on. Well, he, he gets credit, but I don't think he gets a lot of money. <laughs> Probably not. In fact, he, but, he's know, very cross about that. <laughs> yeah. But again, you shouldn't have said, let him have it. No kidding. You know, I mean, if you're going to say that it publicly because it was in published interview, you know, obviously the judge in that case didn't agree with me. <laughs> well, there's a difference between what we think and what the law says. And of course, yeah. and discrepancies, the law is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay. right, so we're going to move on before Jody has a conniption and goes off and uh, <laughs> kill, kill somebody. Run, Jake, run. <laughs> I, I No, I'm not. I'm not mad at him. I just, you know, I, I, Oh, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Side two. Woohoo! Yeah. Side two. Your time is. Uh, no, let's not do that. Your time is going to come. Uh, so, written by Jones in a Bach styling type of thing. It starts off with this really cool Bach and it goes into a jaunty little finger picking. <laughs> yes. Or no, a jaunty organ. And then Paige adds some wonderful finger picking. Yes. Which he didn't think he could do very well. He kind of always thought that was his weak spot as a guitarist. <laughs> he's into folk music so much that as good as he is, he's probably not the best finger picker for the style of music he likes, but he's listening yeah. to like the bestests. True. It's like me when I play thinking that well, this is okay, but it's no Jimmy Page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's similar to Garth Hudson's chest fever, which is, is kind of neat. I've listened to both and I, I can see some similarities. Hmm. In fact, if the audience would like to hear, I've got snippets of both. All right. Although, 
out of deference to the fact that I also like to spread my money around where I can, I'm going to play a bit of Garth Hudson's Chest Fever here. And instead of Zeppelin, I'm going to play Jimmy Page in the Black Crows' version of Your Time Is Gonna Come. <laughs> uh, okay. But the intro is very similar. <laughs> uh, you'll see how similar. That's why I'm doing it. It's like really good. If you don't have Jimmy Page in the Black Crows, great album. Of course, on the original, it's Jonesy playing the organ and yes. kicking ass at it. And, and Jimmy actually uh, plays a bit of pedal steel guitar, which he just picked up earlier that day in it and said, screw it. Let's. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't have that specific quote. I'm just assuming it went something like that. <laughs> I have a funny story about this. When I was a teenager and didn't have my own car and had to be driven around everywhere. And, yeah, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> I <perhaps>. know. <laughs> um, I, m my dad pretty much... And I, I wouldn't so much do it if my stepmom was in the car, because typically I'd ride in the back seat and listen to my Walkman or whatever. But if if it was just me and my dad, I typically had control of the radio, and he was cool with that. And uh, so we'd we'd be listening to this album, and he would always complain when this song came on because he's out of tune. Because my dad's a musician, he plays guitar and bass. He, he's out of tune. Well, from what I've read, Jimmy Page intentionally tuned his guitar so it was a little off <laughs> <laughs> i never did i don't think i ever got around to telling my dad you know you always complain about that but he did it on purpose oh okay but knowing jimmy did he do it on purpose or did he do it and then came up with the story later <laughs> <laughs> i can see both <laughs> i can too but <laughs> yeah. uh, you know who rick rubin is right yeah yeah music producer yeah, producer. He's got a nice quote about this specific song. Uh, a lot of people were asked about their favorite Zep songs, and Rick Rubin pointed this one out, and he goes, it's like the drums are playing a big rock song, and the guitars are playing a gentle folk song. So, 
Yeah. How's that for light and shade fuckers? <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have anything else on that? Nope. All right, then. Moving on to, uh, actually, it's like two minutes long, so it's a very short song. No lyrics, bit of percussion, but one of my favorite songs, because I love the folk music stuff, yes. uh, Black Mountainside. Yes. Based off an old English folk song, modal version of English folk. Uh, it, it was played by Ann Briggs, and I mean, one of the people that played it, Ann Briggs, who mm -hmm. probably got it from Burt Lloyd. And I'm, what I'm doing is I'm setting up a path here because it was yes. recorded by Burt Janch. Uh, yes. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that fairly. I think so. Yeah, that sounds, sounds like what I've heard pronounced. Recorded as Blackwater Side, and Burt is a Scottish musician and member of the band Pentangle, who we mentioned in the first of these three episodes. It was an acoustic yeah. folk band that Jimmy considered modeling Zeppelin on, supposedly, uh, which I don't believe, but that, yeah. that, that was one of the bands people thought. Burt wanted to sue Jimmy, um, but, well, I, I, I don't have exactly how it occurred, but what I wrote was, it's a traditional piece of music, so he was shit out of luck. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say that um, a lot of people again accuse jimmy page of ripping him off but if it's a traditional piece then it's it's so old that anybody could pick it up and, and i mean I've, I've got these and we're going to play snippets here in a second so you can see there are some really similar things but it, it is a specific song it's a specific piece of music of course they're going to sound familiar yeah one of the neat things uh, so uh burt himself was a disciple of davy graham who we've mentioned in conjunction with jimmy page and white summer Yes, and when listening to the bootlegs from this time period, he was already playing White Summer and Black Mountain Side as part of the same piece. So, so one of the neat things, uh, yeah, uh, about all these, um, was the uh, dadgad tuning that they use for these. Yes. Uh, because they're these traditional pieces of music, so some of the instruments that used to be played on didn't necessarily go with the standard tuning that currently, like modern musicians are used to on the guitar. Mm -hmm. uh, instead, you can tune it so instead of E, it's D, and then you've got A, D, G. Uh, then you tune the next one to A, and the, to D, it's an open tuning. You can actually yes. strum it, and it plays a chord all on right. its own instead of the, the usual weird stuff you get when you play open normal tuning. And I, I've you've experimented with this, haven't you? Yeah, actually, uh, I was going to get to that in a second. Um, okay. But yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, so we'll do now. I, um, I have. I have to. Yeah, I, I've done it. I, I got a little piece I called Celtic Equinox because it's kind of based off of reading Jimmy's interviews and stuff. And I know, yeah, I know you've done similar too, based on this. The neat thing with it is, like James said, you, you strum it as an open chord and it's, it's, it, it's a chord. Of course, the standard E tuning on the guitar is also an open chord. <laughs> but the neat thing about this dadgad... But, but, but not, a, not a very pleasant yeah. chord. <laughs> yeah. The, the neat thing about this tuning, this, this dadgad... D-A-D, G-A-D tuning is you can just put one finger on the fret across all six strings, move it anywhere you want, and it's still a chord. Oh, yeah, you can still do normal chords. It's, yeah. I like it because you can play a melody line, but you can strum more strings. So with one instrument, you actually yeah. kind of get a, the sound of two or three. And you can, it, it's got, you can get a droning effect yeah. out of it. Yeah. Um, similar to what you would have with bagpipes with the drone in the background of the bagpipes. Yeah, it's curling. I have seen people complain that Jimmy ripped the, the dadgad tuning off of Burr and, and Davey. Uh, I've never seen Davey anything from uh, 
Davy Graham complaining about it because it wasn't Davy's. Uh, this isn't anything new. He didn't no, this, create it. This tuning, the, the tunings, it's a, it's a standard tuning in a lot of Celtic music. Yeah, and, and Indian music too. And Indian music, yeah. And that's, that's where the CIA thing came from that James mentioned in the other episode, the Celtic, Indian, Arabic influences. So even if Davy made good music with it and burnt it to it, it it's, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, again, you didn't invent it, so shut the hell up. <laughs> yeah, and Jimmy didn't claim to invent it. In fact, Jimmy said that he sat down and spent hours working out the tunings from Davy and Bert's recording, so he did yeah. give credit for that. But those aren't your songs. They're traditional. It's not your special tuning. And, and again, I don't think Davy's complained about it. I don't even think Bert's complained about the tuning. It was just the, the specific song. Yeah. Anyway, but those are good. So, though, to show you how similar they are, I have snippets of all. Uh, three that well, three of the ones we talked about. The first one is Ann Briggs, where she actually sings kind of neat. So here's Ann Briggs with Black Water Side. One morning It was in gazing all around me. It was the Irish lad I spied. So there's Anne. Uh, here's Bert's version of Black Water Side. Morning fire, I talk the air down by black water's eye. Doesn't gaze in all, all around me. The Irish lad is And here's a little snippet of Jimmy's Black Mountainside. I prefer that one more. 
I, I do too, but we might be biased. <laughs> well, uh, th then again, I also prefer the mountains to waters. <laughs> See, I was going to say they're completely different. One's about mountains, one's about water. They're not the same. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's it for me on Black Mountain Side. Did you have? Only to say that it segs great into not only the next song we're going to talk about, but another song we'll talk about later in another episode. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Nope. <laughs> See, this is why you need to track down some of the bootlegs. I'm just, I'm just agreeing because it's easier. <laughs> yeah, everybody should do that. Communication breakdown. Uh, Ozzy loved it so much. He thought he, like, he thought it was awesome how heavy it was. To, to which Tony Iommi responded with, "Will be heavier." <laughs> yeah, I love that. Thus, it came to be. <laughs> Uh, uh, so in, in, 19, in a 1988 interview, uh, the interviewer likened it to speed metal, like speed metal is communication breakdown times 10. And, yeah. and when you're reading this, you can almost hear, read, see Jimmy smirk <laughs> as, <laughs> as he relates it to the range of genres saying, there you go. But you also mentioned the blues aspects and the acoustic songs. <laughs> it, it is one of the faster tempo songs Zeppelin did. <laughs> It is, and we mentioned it in the Deep Purple episode that just came out a, a little while ago. Yeah. Um, because of, of you know, uh, what, which one was it? Um, Highway Star. Highway Off Star. Machine Head. Yeah. So, yeah, communication breakdown. I mean, so you got Summertime Blues from Blue Cheer. Yeah. And, and you got MC5. So, it, you know, it's not like this is brand new or anything, but, yeah, very good early. I don't think it's beat. Well, okay, here's where my nerdum comes in with genres. I know speed metal is sort of this in-between between power and thrash sometimes. Yeah. I personally think it's closer to power metal because Robert's vocals are soaring and he holds the notes long, like in power. I can see that. But that, that's there's so much bleed over between those subgenres. <laughs> yeah. Speed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good with that too. Well, let's let's just say this. It's an influence on speed, thrash, and power metal. Yeah, there we go. I like that. And that's all I have on communication breakdown. But 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 the guitar solo. Yeah, there's one in there. It's so awesome. Well, yeah. Aren't they all? Fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the then, talk about the fucking solo. Oh, no, that's all I was going to say. <laughs> oh, you bastard. Gee, that Led Zeppelin song had a great solo. Well, really? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the musical criticism, Duchess. <sighs> Although, as I'm listening to this on the way home today, before we record it, just to have it fresh, I'm thinking, Jimmy's playing in the first handful of albums is much better than his later playing when he's all hopped up on shit. <laughs> so, there is that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you want to know my one note on I Can't Quit You, Baby, which is the next song? Sure. What is it? It's a Willie Dixon song. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, it's a good song. I like it a lot. Yes. But it's there's nothing new about this one compared to the ones we've talked about, really, to me. <laughs> so, so, so wait a minute. So I'm kind of ambivalent about You Shook Me. <laughs> You're kind of ambivalent about I Can't Quit You, Baby. Pretty much, because by this point <laughs> in the album, I'm like, okay, it's good. <laughs> It is, actually. <laughs> it is. I do like it. Well, like you, it's an okay Zeppelin song, meaning it's still better than almost everything else out there. Yeah. 
Now, it, it is one that I think is better live than it is on the album. I, I think I think Muddy did it. I'm pretty sure Wolf didn't. Or if he did, I've not heard Wolf's, but I'm pretty sure Muddy did it. I think you're right. But if you want to talk about Howlin' Wolf. Oh, see, I, that was unintentional, but yes. His song, How Many More Years, Yes, was a huge... Um, air quotes, influence <laughs> on uh, the last song on the album, How Many More Times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of How Many More Years, slipped in a little bit of The Hunter from Albert King. Yep. And which, by the way, we can talk about bands ripping each other off, and I have a few notes coming up on that. But if you're going to talk about this, we need to throw Great White in there about, but but I will give Great White credit. Uh-huh. They, they, they acknowledge the influence the blues men and Zeppelin and all these different bands had. Oh yeah. Whereas kingdom come. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite quotes ever. The guitar says he's never heard of me. I must be visiting him a night as a vampire and leaving my mark that way. <laughs> you know, kingdom clone, kingdom clone. <laughs> Before they recorded whole lot of love. That was typically what they ended the show with was how many more times and man, Wow. The, the, I, as much as I love that studio version, <laughs> live, that song just it just kicked ass. Yes. Yeah. I it, agree. You should. Okay, I have. Okay. <laughs> yeah, see, I like it. I mean, there, there are several reasons. Um, yeah. Before I get into those, just to mention, Jimmy does reach back into his Yardbirds bag and uses uh, some of his stuff from Shapes of Things. Yeah, well, he the, the violin bow, he, he used the violin bow again on this song. So one of the neat things is the guitar moves between sides, speakers. So yeah. if you actually have your seri- uh, system set up as actual stereo, where you get the left and right, uh, the echoey middle part, where you got Robert going, oh, like, uh, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but the middle bit is all echoey. Hey, weird. Like him, man. <laughs> 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 Shit, fuck. Uh, but yeah, they'll use that repeatedly. Yep. One of my favorite little bits is during the solo, Pagey does this little modal change. You'll hear about halfway through, partway through, it, 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 like the key kind of flicks a bit. It's this really neat little uh, switch up. And he uses that quite a bit too. And, and songs throughout their their band career well his career yeah got this neat flangey feel to it yes and parts of it but the, the silliest part for me and i don't know why every time i hear it the very the intro when it starts playing for some reason it reminds me of the pink panther theme no idea why but just something I, about the little bit of piece there i never thought about that the bass intro yep i never thought about that and i will probably never unhear that Thank I, you. you're welcome <laughs> but you know what the pink Pink Panther, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the pink, the Pink Panther theme is an awesome piece of music. It is. So it's not that big of a deal to have that stuff. No, no, that I actually that would be kind of cool. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, did you have anything else on that? Um, no. Uh, yeah. They did record another song, but they didn't put it on the album because uh, Jimmy thought the high bar of the rest of the songs, uh, this one didn't quite hit, which is "Baby Come On Home." Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, forgot about that. But yeah, it's, it's been released at various time, box sets and, 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 and things and stuffs. Yeah, the remastered version of Coda, I think, is what, where it's at now. Yeah, yeah, which, which is the Coda 
it's a good little song, but it's, I see why it did not make the album. But I guess there were some other songs they considered putting on. They just didn't record them. Uh, there's oh. material from the Scandinavian tour. Yeah. Yeah, they considered Flames by Elmer Gantry and uh, As Long As I Have You by Garnet Mems. Yes. Which, again, I have heard them perform that on some of these bootlegs, and it's, it's a really – their version is pretty close to his. The, the main difference is, outside of the fact that when they got to the middle of the song, they'd go off into a jam section. His is more R&B flavored, so he's got background singers. He's got horn section. Zeppelin just played it as a straight-ahead guitar-centered rock song. When I first saw the song title, I thought, oh, well, that sounds like it might be you know, kind of a ballad kind of thing. No – no, <laughs> it's not. It's an up-tempo. Uh, it's, it, I, if I remember the lyrics right, he's basically saying, you know, I can pretty much do anything as long as I have you, <laughs> you know, but it's an up-tempo R&B kind of thing. So, yeah, great song. And, man, I would love to find a soundboard recording of one of those shows where they played that. So the stealing of songs, we've talked about that quite a bit. Yeah. It's not like this is new. I mean, blues uh, artists uh, are doing it to each other. Yeah. The Beatles and Stones have been doing it for years before Zeppelin came along. Yeah. Tin Pan Alley, that musical publishing area of New York that did all sorts of just everything, mm-hmm. constantly ripping each other off. There's a quote I found like, as long as you changed one note, you were okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, yeah, you can go back. You can find people who are taking traditional Celtic songs from Ireland. And when they came over here, you'd suddenly have people copywriting them. What are you going to do? Take a drink. That sounds like a good idea. I just finished my other beer. I'm going to have a wee dram of whiskey. I got some calories left. I may have some malort. I know we've, we've talked about Zeppelin not doing singles, like for that they cared about doing singles, but they did release singles. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. mean, typically one, maybe two or so from an album. And, and this one was Good Times, Bad Times with the B-side of Communication Breakdown. Uh, the single itself did not did not do overly well on the charts compared to the album. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, why? They were buying the album. Got a neat little quote from Jimmy uh, that he gave on the 50th anniversary of its U.S. release, which, as we record this, was a month ago. Yep. And uh, just this LP was to present four master musicians in the communion of music with no fear, no compromise, and an audible statement that would be groundbreaking and radical. Yeah. So. That's the ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I've got a couple more things here, but did you have anything on the, any of the songs or the, the album or... Yeah, the album cover. We we missed something on the album cover. What did we miss on the album cover? Um, when when they had officially been you know changed over to the name Led Zeppelin and the album had come out and they were touring, oh, touring yeah. in uh, where where was it was it was it were they in Copenhagen or something or were they they were somewhere in mainland Europe and the uh, the daughter of. <laughs> of, of, the von of, Zeppelin. of von zeppelin yeah was was introduced to them and she was like oh this is great and then she saw the picture of the hindenburg as their album cover and uh she threatened to sue them over the use of the zeppelin name <laughs> and had a bit of a fit so <laughs> where they needed to they went by <laughs> the knobs <laughs> I forgot about that part, but I remember the <laughs> remember her reaction. Yep. Yeah, that's right, the knobs. <laughs> yeah, which of course is British slang for genitalia, yes. <laughs> male male genitalia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot all about that until you said that, and then that's <laughs> yep. Uh, gracious, yeah. See, I, I don't actually know where that happened. I don't know if it's during one of these tours or 
a later tour and it just happened the promo poster happened to be the zeppelin going down in flames but i do remember that story uh, i up. was i was thinking it was one of these first tours could have been i don't i don't remember reading it as i researched this one so if we find out later we'll just go hey remember yeah. that cool story <laughs> yeah that's oh, very pleased to meet you oh my god <laughs> uh, moving on <laughs> So, so yeah, so during this time, songs like Whole Lot of Love were being worked on as they toured for the first album. Um, yep. So that's one of those sort of back and forthy crossover timey-wimey things um, yep. that we'll, we'll actually discuss more the next time. Um, but that, that's that overlap bit when you tour and you record all the time. You know, they put out this first album at the beginning of their time together. Uh, it was just two months after the first practice, a month of Scandinavian tour, and all of a sudden there's Zeppelin. Pretty good start. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's that's what I have for Led Zeppelin's uh, first album era stuff. It Me only too. took three episodes. Really? So, <laughs> so, so you're good? I'm good. I'm great. <laughs> Beat you uh, to it, Al. There it is. I, uh, I was setting you up. I <laughs> am magnanimous with my previous victory. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Well, uh, it'll probably honestly be a while before we get to Zep 2 because yeah, I want to hit some other things like Halloween that I've <laughs> mentioned and Jody was shocked I haven't done. Yeah. As one and all the other things we've mentioned. So yeah, but we'll, we'll come back not super long for Zep 2. Cool. Looking forward to it. As well you should be. <laughs> so as I slowly fade into the sunset, <laughs> um, that's good for now. I'm James. I'm Jody. We'll see you guys next week. Later. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. And and I like Zeppelin because they do play electric, acoustic. You can get all the different feels. Mm, feels. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch those. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll just wait a second, if, if you don't mind. Okay. Well, I, I guess even if you do mind. Ah. <laughs> Their 1987 album, uh, the song Still of the Night. And in the video, Adrian Vandenberg is acting like he's playing with the violin bow on the guitar. Oh, yes. Yeah. And and Jimmy said he, he saw that and about fell off the couch laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say it was also on the, uh, the first Led Zeppelin box set. What's in the box? What's in the box? Yeah, I probably would have picked it up. But you know what? You know what I like the most about those guys? They're not around anymore. Okay, you know what the second thing <laughs> that I like the most about those guys is? Well, yeah, they had new stuff coming up that's better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was their own stuff. Or well, <laughs> at least as far as their credit goes on their albums. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I just made a German Duchess sound like a Jewish lady. That might not be the best optimal <laughs> crossover there. <laughs> Uh, that sounds good. Hopefully you enjoyed this trilogy of errors. <laughs> no, uh, it's comedy of errors. I don't know what the hell I'm saying. I'm going to start that over. <laughs> of course, one of the neat things is Jeff Beck didn't seem to mind that Jimmy took a solo from Shapes of Things or how many more times, just slowed it down a bit, and put it in with Jimmy's really long solo. It's kind of neat. Uh, in fact, here's a snippet of Shapes of Things from the Yardbirds with Jeff Solo.
here's part of Jimmy's solo from How Many More Times. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ventures.